So I'm John, for anybody who's here for the first time or a visitor, I'm one of the leaders here, one of the elders of the church. Justin, our lead pastor, he is at our Staten Island location today preaching at both services. So pray for him. He's not used to preaching two times in one day, so just cover him in prayer. Uh, just give me a moment, I'm gonna take some water. Well, it's good to be with everyone today. Jess and I, we uh, just got back um, last week. We were in uh, Florida for a few weeks. We usually take the month of July off. Um, and one thing I learned on our little uh, vacation is that I love being a dad. I love being a dad. Uh, many of you know I have an 11-year-old son who will be 12 in less than a month. Um, wow, can't believe it. His last year before he turns a teenager and then everything changes. <laughs> Lord, help me. <laughs> Lord, help me. Um, and then I have a four-year-old little girl named Shiloh who thinks she's 30. Um, so pray for me there. Yeah, she thinks she's 30. She thinks she's the boss of everything. Um, but one thing I did learn was be I love being a dad out there. I got to get on rides with my kids. Um, went to Disney World and we went to Legoland. Um, with my son, I got to ride Rise of the Resistance. That was fun to see his face when we went through the ride and my daughter got on and she was excited. Um, I rode a mini boat with Shiloh that I almost caused to capsize. <laughs> I sat on one side and she was on the other side and it was like that. So you ever see those speed boats when they make that turn? That's exactly what the boat looked like the entire time she was driving it in Legoland. I kept trying to move to the middle but I just ended up always going to the right and it was just like up in the air. I think just got video in case you want to see. Um, but one of the things I did learn about or I re was renewed is that kids, they got no shame to their game. They're bold. They ask for anything. We're in, we're in Disney World and Shiloh's like, Daddy, I need that Elsa dress. I need that Elsa wig. I need that. I need that. I need that. And I'm like, you need it or you want it? And she's like, I need it. You know? And then Micah has a subtle way. Um, as kids get older, they learn new ways to ask for stuff. So Micah will tell me how much he loves soccer. Talking about soccer all the time. And then he'll tell me, my friends, they have a PSG Messi jersey and it's so cool. You know, it's so cool. I would like a... PSG Messi jersey. I would like a Messi jersey. You know what that means. Daddy, can you buy me a Messi jersey? Right? And while we're out there, he's reminding me that I told him we would get him one when we're out there. So every day, he's like, you know, you told me you were going to get me a Messi jersey, right? And I was like, yes, yes, yes. And we finally got him one. It wasn't a PSG. It was an Argentina World Cup Messi jersey. So he's happy. He hasn't worn it yet. I pray to God he does wear it because I spent money on it and I want to actually see him wear it. But I go into that to tell you about this one time, Micah's birthday's in August and uh, we were throwing a party for him at this place called Round One. It's like a kid's version of, um, of Dave and Buster's. So there's arcades, there's bowling, there's all these things to do. So we were throwing him a little party and we invited a bunch of friends. It wasn't like an official birthday party where we rent out the place. We were just taking a bunch of kids. We were going to take care of um, all the games and the food and everything for them. 
So we invited Justin and his two sons, Judah and Levi. And I think it was the week of or the day before Justin let us know, hey, we're not going to be able to make it. Either somebody got sick or something came up. I was like, okay, no problem. Michael was sad, but, you know, he had fun on his birthday. And then he proceeds to see Justin the following day, right? And he had been talking to Justin about round one and how cool it was and all the other stuff. And Justin had been asking him about what, it, you know, what do you like, you know, in terms of getting him a birthday gift. So Michael sees Justin, he tells him how cool the party was, and then he goes, and I still haven't gotten my gift. <laughs> like I said, kids are shameless and bold. So I was mortified. This is while we were still in the warehouse. So I'm sitting down in the back area. If you guys, some of you guys remember the warehouse. I'm sitting in the back area. I'm almost choking on my bagel as he says this. And Justin nonchalant is like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry, buddy. But don't worry. We'll get you something. And if I'm not mistaken, Justin pulled out his phone, opened up Amazon, and was like, what do you like? <laughs> You'll have it this week kind of thing. So, you know, I, I was mortified. But the funny thing is that, like, two years later, Judah did the same exact thing to me and Jess. So kids are kids, and they're going to do this. And I tell that story because today we're going to go in and we're going to talk about being shameless and, boldness and bold in prayer. So the text I'm reading from is Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Let's get into the text. Uh, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You said to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today, God. We pray that you would be in the midst, Lord God, of this word right now, Lord God. I pray that your spirit would be here, your presence would go out, Lord God, that the anointing of the Lord would touch each and every one of our hearts, God. We pray for ears to hear what you have to say, Lord God, a heart that's receptive of what you want to say to us, Lord God, that your word would go deep, Lord God, and it would find fertile soil and it would grow in us, Lord God. I pray that we would leave this place Lord God, more fervent in our prayer life, Lord God. God, that we would understand who you are, Lord God. We would not be ashamed to bring anything to you because you love us. Pray all of this in your precious name. Amen. Ooh. Yeah, I, get, I always get the longest scriptures, I feel like. Dave, I, that's not you, David. That's not you. That's me. I had the longest scriptures. <laughs> um, so what's the importance of Jesus teaching them to pray? 
right? They're Jews. They were brought up and they were taught prayers from when they were young. So they already knew how to pray. So they recognized something about Jesus' prayer life that was absent from their prayer life. And Jesus goes on and they ask him to teach them to pray. And what does he do? He prays. He doesn't take out like a textbook and doesn't take out a old chalkboard back in the days or whatever and start writing. No, no, no. He prays. He shows them what prayer looks like. And I'd like to say that he wasn't teaching them to pray this exact prayer. Now, I know it's the Lord's Prayer. I know we all uh, know the Lord's Prayer. But I don't believe it was him teaching them to say this exact prayer every time you pray. He was giving them a framework or he was giving them an order to prayer, right? And he starts off, and the order to prayer, the first thing that he highlights is prayer humbles us. It causes us to look upward for all that we need, right? So his first words out of his mouth are, our Father. It's not the need, it's our Father. He causes them to look up, our Father. So it's not only Jesus' Father, it's all of our fathers. Those who put their faith in Jesus, he is our Father. And in prayer, we have to recognize who we're going to with our prayers. We're not going to an absentee father. We're not going to someone who does not care about us. We're going to our Father. When my kids come to me, it's, Daddy, I need help with this. Daddy, I need help with that. My kids don't call me John, just letting you know. I don't let them get away with it. Um, I'm daddy, right? So they call me daddy. That's what they call me. And when we go to God, he's our father. We should be able to go to him with every single one of our needs. We should not be ashamed to be his children. We should go to him because he loves us and he cares for us. That's what Jesus was pointing out. First and foremost, you've got to go to your father. You've got to humble yourself and go to your father. You can't do it by yourself. You can't reach the top, of the, the top of the shelf by yourself. You can't feed yourself. You can't do these things for yourself. That's why you need your father. That's why my kids need me. Daddy, I need your help with A, B, C, and D. And the thing I, I, I love here is that Jesus pointed out it's our father. It's not the virgin mother. It's not some saint that we're going to. It's nobody. It's our father. We don't have to pray to anybody else. We don't have to go through any other inter intermediary. We have access to our Father because of Jesus. Unrestricted access. My kids don't need to go to Jess to get something from me. They don't need to go to my mother-in-law to get something from me or my parents to get something from me. They can come to me whatever it is, whatever time of day it is, and they know Daddy's going to come through. Middle of the night, if you got kids, daddy, I need to go to the bathroom. Okay, you get up and you go to the, no matter how tired you are, no matter how much you can't see at that moment in time, you get up, you go to the bathroom with them. Or daddy, I'm scared. And you go and you lay next to them, like my dad did when I was a little kid. He'd lay next to me on the bed, um, on the floor, whatever it was, until I fell asleep. That's what daddies do. That's what fathers do. And then Jesus proceeds in the, in, in the prayer, and the next thing he says is, let your kingdom come. The order of prayer is first we go to the Father, and then it's his will 
it's his kingdom first. Before our needs, it's his kingdom that comes first. When we put that into perspective, when we put his kingdom first, it helps us to understand that God is up here, God is there, and it's his kingdom that takes preeminence over everything else that's happening on earth. But the beauty of it is, is that if his kingdom is first, it's not only first in heaven, it's not only first in, in, on earth, it's first in us as well. He brings his kingdom alive in us. In the situations in our life, his kingdom comes alive. However that looks like for you, it comes alive inside of you. It humbles our heart to go to the Father and to say, I can't do it by myself. I don't have the means to answer this prayer. I don't have the means to figure this out. I don't have the means to take care of this need. But I know who does. And I'm going to you. And then we're instructed after those two things to bring our needs to Jesus. Prayer reminds us that nothing is insignificant in the Father's eyes. None of our needs are insignificant. None of the things that we bring to him are less than to God. Everything is important. Why? Because he loves us. There's a special love for us. He cares what we eat. He cares where we sleep. He cares about our health. He cares about our finances. He cares about the things that bother us, the things that worry us, the things that cause us pain, that um, keep us up and have us uh, go through sleepless nights. He cares about those things, and he wants you to bring them to him. Many times I hear people, Christians, oh, God knows. Yeah, he does know. But he wants to hear you know that you don't have the answer and you have to go to him. The whole point of prayer is not to tell God something he doesn't know. He knows all. It's for us to recognize that we can only go to him for the answer. He's the only one that could supply. He's the only one that could save that loved one that's um, wayward. He's the only one that can heal that loved one that's sick or your body that's sick. He's the only one that can uh, bring in the finances when there's nothing there. When the bank account says zero and you know rent is due, he's the only one. Nothing that you can do can make that happen. We have to be reminded to be confident in who we're bringing our prayers to. That he is just and sufficient. He has all that we need. He's the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's the God, he's Jehovah Jireh, the great provider. There is nothing that's outside of God. Nothing that he can't do for us. He's raised the dead, he's healed the sick, made the blind to see, he's made the lame to walk, all these things he's done, he's done it all by himself, he didn't need help from anybody else on earth. And all he's asking us to do is, just bring it to me. Yet, we have Christians walking around and they're upset at God and upset at their prayer lives because they don't see their prayers answered. Why? Because they have a predetermined outcome of what they want their prayer, to, how they want their prayer to be answered when they go to God. Ooh, that one hurts. I can see it in the room, people's faces like, oh. We go to God and we're like, I need this. In your mind, you're saying, I need it fulfilled this way. Then we're not putting our full trust and hope in God that he knows the best way to fulfill that need. 
You got people, singles walking around wanting a, a spouse and they're praying for a spouse and God's like, well, you're not ready to handle a spouse right now. So why don't I just bring you friends to be companions so you're not alone? I'll bring a community of believers to surround you, to love you, to walk with you until you're ready to be a spouse. No, 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 but I want a spouse now. God's like, no, 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 that, that, that's, that's not the provision I'm providing at this moment. Not saying no to having a spouse. It's not right now. Predetermined outcome in prayer. I've struggled with that my whole life. Believing God for finances and then going to buy a Mega Millions ticket. Like, God, make that happen. I know it was a billion dollars this week, you know. And you know, you all praying this. Yo, God, I'll give more than 10%. I'll give more than 10%. You got it. You know I'll give more than 10%, God. I'll bless the church. And God's like, no, I know your heart. It's deceitfully wicked above all things. You ain't giving me your 10% when you get it. You just, I'm just being real with you guys. This is, this is the prayer life of the guy that's standing up here. I've done this, right? We need to trust that our Father in Heaven has the best for us. Yes. The very best. Put your confidence. Don't go to Him with predetermined outcomes. Just bring your prayer to Him and trust Him that He's got it. He's good, He's faithful, and He's just. But the thing that I noticed when I was reading the Scripture is that Jesus spent the majority of His teaching not actually on the prayer, but on the approach to prayer. I found that very interesting that Jesus in four lines describes our prayer life and how it's supposed to be ordered or the framework of our prayer life, but the approach he spent more time talking to. Jesus encourages us, the Christians, his, his followers, to be persistent, shameless, and bold with our prayers. Like Micah and Shiloh when they're asking me for things. In the first parable, I want to point out first and foremost that the guy in the first parable, you knew he wasn't Puerto Rican. You knew it. I grew up in a house. My mom always had something for guests in case they showed up. There was an Entenmann's cake there. There was, there, was, there was Sanka or Bustelo on the side, just in case somebody showed up. And lo and behold, we always had people, no announcement, just showing up to the house. Whether it was aunts or friends just showing up, ding dong, hey, and then it's like, get the cake out, you know, get, oh, we got, we got cake, stuff like that. So you know this dude wasn't, you know, you know he wasn't Puerto Rican. I'm just sorry. Every Puerto Rican house I've been to, there's always cake, there's always something. There's either, you know, um, a Louisiana crunch or something like that that's sitting on the side, ready for everybody, there's donuts, you know, and then you have, if your mom was like really smart, you had the... The one that was for the family, and then the one that was for the guest. <laughs> Tell me you didn't have that, Mom. You did. To this day, my mom is prepared when guests come over. She's the person, the only person I know who could cook a dinner in 15 minutes. <laughs> we come over, she's got chicken cutlet fried up. She's got avocado, white rice, beans done in 15, 20 minutes. They're like, but there was no food out before. She just got a gift. So. Like I said, Puerto Ricans are always prepared for a guest. They just know somebody's coming over all the time. But this guy, he, he gets a guest to come over his house and he has nothing in the house. 
And it was custom in Jewish culture, when a guest was coming over, you made sure you fed them. Like, it was an insult that you didn't feed a guest that came over to your house. Now, I don't know why this dude was showing up at midnight to somebody's house. I'm just letting you know, me and Jess don't mind guests. You show up at midnight, I'm gonna talk to you through the ring doorbell and say, thank you for showing up. You can come tomorrow between the hours of blank and blank because right now we're sleeping. But this guy doesn't have what he needs. And he goes and he, he goes to his friend's house and starts banging on the door to get his friend up to let him know that he has a need, right? And what I found funny is that the guy comes out, steps out his window, is like, we're in bed, don't bother us, you know, get out of here. But it says, not because of friendship's sake, but because of your shameless persistence, not only your shameless persistence to keep knocking at the door, but your shameless persistence that your need has got to be met. That need has to be met. So if my man wakes up, or if his next door neighbor wakes up, or if the whole town wakes up, somebody's giving you your bread, right? You're gonna get what you need. This man knew he, he couldn't go back empty-handed to his friend. And as Christians, we have to recognize we can't have pride when we go to God. We can't be full of pride when we go to God. That man had no pride. If you're banging on someone's door at midnight asking for bread, there is no pride whatsoever in your body. You know you have a need and it has to be met. You can't go to God. You have to be shameless in your approach to God. You can't just go to him and just be like, well, you know, maybe if you want to, if you, no, 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 God, this is what I need. I'm in desperate need of this. Don't let your pride stop you from bringing your needs to God. You're only robbing yourself from a loving father who wants to give you things. I wrote that down to remind myself because that's something that hit my heart. I don't bring my needs to God as I should. I'm a very self-sufficient, stubborn man. Jess will tell you that. Stubborn is my middle name. It's probably my first name at times. But if we're supposed to emulate this man, we, we have to recognize that our need is much greater than our pride. Our need is much greater than what we can do ourselves. Our need is greater than anything we could ever accomplish on our own. Only God and God himself could accomplish that for us. Only God and God himself could do that for us. While I was going through the sermon, I was reminded of a story of this, um, this old, I, I don't want to call him a father of the faith, but he, this man had great faith. And his name was George Mueller. And he ran an orphanage in the 1800s back in um, Europe. And there was this one story where he, he set up, um, there was 180 girls who were orphans in the orphanage. And they sat at the, ta at the dining room tables and they put the, the plates and cups and everything before them. But there was nothing on the table, no food. They had nothing in the pantry, no food at all. And George Mueller bows his head and says, we're gonna pray. And he says, our father, we love you, we thank you. You're the one that supplies for all of our, one of our needs. We ask that you would supply and bless the food that we're about to eat. Now, most of us probably in the room would look around and say, what food are you talking about? This guy's bugging. But as soon as he finished the prayer, he got a knock on the door, and it was the local baker, and he said that God, the night before, had woken him up and told him to make extra bread for the orphanage. 
And George Mueller goes and he's getting ready to start serving the bread and then he gets another knock on the door. And it's the milkman for the area and he says there's extra milk and he thought of the orphanage to bring it to the orphanage. That's the supply of God, right? Now I know the Pentecostal in you probably wants to get up, jump around, run around, start, you know, praise break over here. And we don't, we, we don't mind those things, right? But I'm just showing you, if God's able to do it for an orphanage that had absolutely nothing and all they had was their faith in Father God, how much more us, we have our faith in God that he can supply, that he can provide. And him providing is not always having it come out of nowhere. You're praying for um, a raise and God sends overtime your way. But you look down at the overtime because you want the raise. God sends, I was talking before about singles, God sends somebody, a new friend your way, but they don't meet your criteria. She's gotta be a dime. She's gotta make over 75, $80,000 a year. She's gotta have her own car all this stuff, like you have all this criteria and the person that God introduces you to doesn't meet any of that criteria, but he knows that that's the person that he predestined for you to be with. That's the person he created. That's your Eve or your Adam. But oh, they don't meet my criteria. Dave, I see you smiling back there. <laughs> you have all these ways that you want your prayer to be answered, all these ways that you think your prayer needs to be answered. And Brother Mueller probably prayed and he didn't know how God was going to answer that prayer. He just trusted God to answer the prayer. He trusted God that these orphans, the ones that he loved, the ones that we're told to take care of, God will fulfill and feed them. And our, our, our next instruction from Jesus is to be persistent in our prayer. And I promise I'm getting ready to close soon, so uh, please bear with me. He says, keep on asking, keep on knocking, and keep on seeking. The verb, the, the keep on is a verb. It means to continue happening, right? And this is not the only time that we're told to do this in prayer. We're told by Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, it says, always be joyful, never stop praying. Or again, to the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 6, 18, it says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. We're to be persistent in prayer. We're supposed to go to God consistently with our needs. You can't just take your needs to God one time and say, all right, God, you got it. And just walk away and never bring it up. If it matters to you, you continue to bring it up. Like Micah with the messy jersey, he kept asking me for the messy jersey. Kept talking about the messy jersey. You can ask Jess every opportunity this boy talk about messy. He'd bring it up out of clear, what do you want for dinner? You know messy eats. It's like, how did you get that? My mother was right here. He talked her ear off that she gave him money to go get the messy jersey. She's like, go get it, please go get it. And I know that, that, that it's like, oh no, that's irreverent. No, no, no. He's our father in heaven and he wants you to bring your, your needs to him. Bring your needs. Bring your wants. Bring all of these things to God and let him decipher how he's going to distribute for those things. 
if it's a yes, if it's a no, if it's a wait. And the last thing that Jesus hits home on is, Jesus reminds us who the Father is. He lets us know, and this is Jesus being Jesus. I always say Jesus is one of the um, most realest people that you ever read in scripture. He's like, you know, if your kid asks you for a fish, would you give him a snake? If, you, if he asks you for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? And then he goes, and you who are sinful, and in other translations, you who are evil, if you know how to good, good, give good gifts, how much more your heavenly father, who is the definition of good? When my kids ask me for stuff, I do everything in my power to try to bless them and give them what they want. My parents are here. To this day, if I ask for something, they try to give me what I want. I'm a 40-year-old man. I shouldn't be asking my parents for anything, right? <laughs> but my mom is one of the most generous people on the face of the earth. And every time I say I like something, you want me to get that for you, puppy? You want me to get that for you? It's like, no. First off, I'm 40 years old. Stop calling me puppy. <laughs> but she's my mom. She's my parent, right? My dad is the same way. My dad loves Micah to the point that just blows my mind. Um, they're like best friends. Whenever they go on vacation, my dad sleeps in Micah's room with him on a twin bed. That my, no, there's two twin beds, sorry. Micah's on one twin bed, my dad's on the other twin bed. Sorry. <laughs> my, dad, my dad loves both my kids so much and all his grandkids, he loves them so much. And he's willing to give them whatever they ask for, pretty much. He'll make it happen. However he makes it happen, he'll make it happen, right? And Jesus is saying, if we, who are sinful, who are corrupt, at, who are corrupt, who are, um, there's no good inside of us, right? Apart from Jesus, there's no good inside of us. If we know how to give good gifts, if we're not going to give our kids a snake or a scorpion, if we're not going to give them something that's going to harm them, how much more our Father in heaven, who loves us, who's given everything for us, would he not bless us when we ask, when we bring our needs to him? And if you don't believe that he loves you, if you haven't, it hasn't clicked in your mind, Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Before we could ever love God, he showed his love for us and he made a way for us to get, to, 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 to get back to him, to, to have eternal life, to have forgiveness of our sins. He gave us Jesus while we were still sinners, when there no, wasn't no good in us, when we didn't deserve it. But yet we're afraid to bring our needs to God. We're afraid to go to this loving God in prayer. Band, you can start making your way up. My hope today is not to, to tell you that God's a genie or anything like, no, that, that's not the case. You want the mega millions? God's probably not going to answer that prayer for you. You want the, the house on the beach in Santa Monica? Pro God's probably not going to do those things for you. That's not what I'm talking about. God is the God who meets every one of our needs. God is the God who fulfills our heart 
when we're afar off. God's the one who calls us and beckons us to come back. And what my goal today is, is that our prayer life would change. My goal today is not that our prayer life would continue to be the way it is, but that we would recognize who we're praying to. We would have the confidence that he is our father in heaven, that he loves us, that he died, that that he sent his son to die for us, that he prepared a way for us from before time even began. Jesus was at his mind. He knew this would all happen and he prepared a way for us. That he didn't write us off when we sinned and when we made mistakes and when we continually fall into sin. After receiving Christ, we continually mess up and he doesn't...